0: Hi this is Jordan Shively hi this is Brock Wilbur and you're listening to Caring into the void the podcast where we get together tell each other about a weird or dark story we've heard and then we try to find the silver lining or flip it into something that while probably not positive
1: will at least be productive how are you doing today Brock I'm doing pretty okay. My wife is making broth in a pressure cooker, so our entire house smells like hot bones. So I feel like I've got the right energy for one of these. Got that big
0: hot bone energy? Hot hot bone juice. Give it to me. I love... Never mind. Let's uh, continue on with the show and not give Daniel things he has to edit out.
1: I'll never know what that was going to be, and I'll just cherish it forever. That was a great moment.
0: Every time, like... I don't know. I because of my upbringing, like I go to say like a really dirty joke and then I get like super fucking shy about it. I'm like, no, I couldn't possibly say something so uncouth that my too hot for Twitter file of jokes is very long. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Take hot bone juice and extrapolate the joke I was going to make. So this week I'm going to talk about the Denver Spider-Man.
1: I have no idea what this is, and I'm so excited.
0: Oh, really? Oh, I'm so excited, too, that you don't know what this is. It has a trigger warning for home invasion and assault. So, like I said, today we're going to talk about the Denver Spider-Man, otherwise known as Theodore Edward Conies, who lived from 1882 to 1967. Very long life. The story is rather brief, but no less horrifying for its brevity. Theodore always suffered from what they called ill health. He was small, said to be a weakling, and was told by doctors that he would never see his 18th birthday. So, subsequently, he dropped out of school, never graduated high school, and tried to work in advertising and door-to-door sales, but actually spent up most of the first part of his life homeless. Coney always resented the way others looked at his frail condition and treated him as some sort of weakling, and later in life he said all he had ever wanted was a place to be away from everyone and free from judgment. In September 1941, Coney went to the house of a former acquaintance, Philip Peters, to ask him for some sort of assistance, maybe a handout, a place to stay for the night. However, Peters was not home, so he broke into the house ostensibly to look for food, But instead found a small trap door in one of the closets. It was described as being no larger than three cigar boxes, which, like, I guess is like pretty much your hands put together, you know, kind of like the size of like a small padded envelope. If we were trying to figure out what size that is. So he found this trap door that was no larger than the cigar boxes leading to a coffin sized attic space. Who knows what was going through Coney's mind as he dragged himself up into this dark, tomb-like environment. And closing the door behind him, lay there in the dark, the walls mere inches from him. And he stayed there undiscovered for five fucking weeks. What? He would later he would later say that as he gained confidence, he would creep out of the attic and ghost around the house. Even going as far as to shadow the elderly Peters as he walked around the halls of the house, looming just behind him, he said it gave him a feeling of power to be able to evade Peters and go about the house freely unnoticed. However, five weeks, however, on October 17th, 1941, that streak of cat and mouse ended and Coney thought he had heard Peters go out but the man was just taking a nap and stumbled upon Coney as he was stealing food from the icebox. Coney panicked and he beat Peters to death with a large iron stove shaker. And which from my research looks like a cross between a crank handle from Resident Evil and a crowbar. And it was used like to get into the hot doors of a wood-burning stove and grab grates. So it's just a, a weird-shaped crowbar. Okay. Um, Coney tried to clean up the shaker and went back to his attic hole. (laughs) Um, Later the day, the body was discovered by the police who had been alerted by neighbors that were worried because they had not seen Mr. Peters leave his house that day as he usually did. The police found the bloody cloth that he had used to try to clean the shaker and noticed that The two shakers, one was recently cleaned and the other was dusty from disuse. They were also puzzled because all the doors of the house had been locked from the inside and there were no signs of forced entry. The police noticed the small trap door in the closet but reasoned that it was too small of an opening for anyone to be able to crawl through. Later, Cody would say that he had been sitting on the trap door as they searched directly below him listening in the dark. They came up with the fact that they thought some huge madman, very strong because of how big the Iron Shaker was, had somehow come and gone without a trace, murdering Mr. Peters in his wake. Like, must be a magic giant. That's what our police deduction tells us. Let's move on. Let's quit
1: investigating this. I I find that incredible that their first theory was like, must be a huge guy like in Boondock Saints. (laughs) I mean, I guess... They were looking at
0: this body of this frail man who had been beaten with a Uh metal crowbar. So they're like, this is a lot of trauma. This is probably some
1: brute, you know, a a magic giant.
0: I mean, but then but then they don't even try to, like, continue like, well, obviously there's locked doors. It's here somewhere. You know, (laughs) I guess you could be like, he took a key with him and locked it from the outside. I don't know. But so they just said big brute. Don't know where he went. Soon after, Mrs. Peters, who all this time had been in the hospital with a broken hip, returned home with her housekeeper. Oh no. The two women said they constantly heard sounds within the walls around them and would hear things in other parts of the house and got the feeling they were always being watched. Almost a year later, they God, moved out how, because of how, it. How? Now, how? <laughs> Um, Because he creeps out and follows them around like a golem and then eats their (laughs) eats their snacks and then crawls back (laughs) into the walls. I'm not going to say it doesn't sound like a good life. You know, just snapping all day and then getting snacks. But also creepy. Think about it like that time like you hear like a creaking and you're like, oh, it's the house settling. Maybe it's not the house settling. It wasn't until July 30th, 1942, almost a year after Coney began living in the ceilings and walls of the house, that he was caught during a police inspection of the premises. The police heard a lock click upstairs, and when they ran up, they saw just his leg sticking out of the ceiling as he was trying to scramble back into his hole. They dragged him out unconscious, dressed in tatters, and nearly emaciated because nobody was restocking the snacks anymore. Coney admitted to everything, and in a turn of events that filled him with joy, he was sentenced to life in prison at the Colorado State Penitentiary. He was heard to say, Finally,
1: finally a quiet, safe place all away on my own. Well, that's the end of a great Twilight Zone episode line. Uh (laughs) I know, right? Like a real life one. Time. All the time, time in the world.
0: <laughs> so and he died in jail there and was said to like fucking
1: loved it. Well yeah, he got he got meals and he could see sunlight. Like what, what an insane thing. I know. It was what he had been looking for.
0: Away from all the people who made fun of him and said he was like probably were abusive towards him in his jobs. You know, they just let him I get to go chill here max and chill, you know?
1: <laughs> God damn it.
0: So, the carrying into the void moment for this is as follows. It is okay to desire a life away from the bustling crowds. Away from a society that tries to put its labels on you. Tries to herd you down a path that will keep you small and weak. There are times when you will want to pull back to your sunken place of power, to go down to the dark well of your being and just observe life as it passes you by. Take those moments for what they are, a transition to the next phase of your journey and not the destination in and of themselves. Get what you need from them and then step forward into the light and crashing noise of your life actually intersecting with others. Blink away the sleep and dust of your retreat, and stretch forth your hands to take all that you have so richly earned. I like that. Yeah, it's not it's not a bad thing to want to be away from everyone. No, um, it's pe- people are fucking overwhelming, and you. C- I think it's healthy to fucking sit back and get to a reset button. You know, like try to just detox of humans, but you can't stay there. (laughs) I mean, you can. And if that's the life you want to lead, I'm not going to say that's wrong. But for me personally, there's things I want to do and they require being around people sometimes. (laughs)
1: Also, maybe uh, if you don't like being around people uh, take that option uh, and don't uh, require uh, murder to make that choice for you, like uh, you, c- you can just choose to do that.
0: Yeah. Don't kill people when they <laughs> surprise you getting snacks. <laughs> I know someone trying to stop you from getting snacks. That's your inclination. But just be like, would you like a sandwich as well?
1: I feel like now I'm either going to set out more or less snacks. Like, either, like...
0: I think set out more snacks.
1: Yeah, I want to take care of, of people, but, like, I don't know.
0: It's like setting a place for Elijah. Set out a snack for your Spider-Man.
1: Oh, my God. Jordan, come on. That's so weird.
0: I'm doing my food prep for the week, and I'm doing food prep for the person who lives in my walls, maybe. Oh, my God. Just added on to every recipe. Feeds. Maybe three <laughs> feeds, feeds three plus <laughs> three plus ghost emoji. <laughs> so what are you going to tell
1: us about this week? Nothing that good. Jesus Christ. That's so weird. <laughs> set a place for Spider-Man like Elijah. I just <laughs>
0: <laughs> with all due respect for people who set places for Elijah.
1: <laughs> awesome. Okay. Uh, yeah, I got one. God, that's so weird. I'm sorry. You're, you're doing incredible work here, bud. There's a lot more research. If you want to
0: read more about it, everyone who's listening, there's a lot that's been written about it. I basically hit the cliff notes. What year was it? 41 was when he killed him. It ended in 42 and the guy didn't die until 67. So he was in jail for like 20 years.
1: Spider-Man, Spider-Man.
0: And he he lived in those walls for pretty much over a year. Gotcha.
1: Okay. Uh, All right. (laughs) Mine this week is called uh, Exploding Lake and uh, Content Warning for, I guess, uh, mass death. So in uh, August uh, 21st, 1986, uh, there was uh, something terrible that uh, happened in the Cameroon section of Africa. Uh, In the northwest region, uh, there was a lake there called Lake Nios, which is known locally as the Bad Lake. And there were tales of an evil spirit that emerged from the lake to kill all those who lived near it. And this legend was probably based in an ancient memory of a very real thing that had happened because uh, this was formed in a crater 400 years earlier. And crater lakes have these high levels of CO2 because they're formed by volcanic activity happening miles beneath them. Most lakes that have this happen, uh, the gas gets released as the lake waters turn. But this lake is in a p- particular position where it doesn't move. It's just very still. So the CO2 just builds up inside of the water, uh, create- making the lake essentially into a time bomb. Uh, So at this point, there was something like for every gallon of water, that gallon of water contained five gallons of CO2, which I don't know much about science. But that doesn't sound like it's the right amount. It does not. Five inside of one. Isn't that great? Usually. Uh, So on August 21st, 1986, something happened. Something finally triggered it or the levels were too high or or something happened. uh, And the result was that the lake literally exploded uh, and it sent water 300 feet into the air. And that created a small tsunami uh, that killed some of the people around it. That wasn't the bad part. The bad part was that 1.2 cubic kilometers of CO2 were released in about 20 seconds. And that caused a wave of deadly gas to kill all 800 people in the surrounding area. Six people survived because they happened to be on motorcycles at the time and they raced to the top of nearby of a nearby mountain uh, while Holy they watched fuck. all this happen. Um, and and one of the weird details they give is that uh, the CO2 caused every flame to go out. So every like fire and candle and something. So everything just got very still and everyone got very dead very quickly. It just it just happened. And then the, everything was just gone. Um, but what what's even worse is that the cloud had no reason to stop spreading. So it it filled an area of about 25 kilometers uh, away from the lake, which included other nearby villages. Uh, so people that came out of their house to be like, hey, what's that sound? They died too. But uh, the thing that was happening was that as the cloud moves, it moves down. So uh, it gets lower to the ground, as it, obviously, as it runs out of sort of steam, uh, essentially. Uh, and so in some of the outlying villages, People were in in their houses and their loved ones were like taking a nap and those people died instantly. But the people that were like standing up or sitting in a chair didn't notice anything at all. So at the end of this, uh, seventeen hundred and forty six people were killed. Uh, three or four villages were completely wiped out and about thirty five hundred livestock uh, livestock animals uh, perished in, in minutes. Uh, the lake itself turned from a clear blue to a deep red. Oh my God. Caused by the iron churned up from the bottom of the lake. Yeah. It turned, it turned into blood lake as, as soon as it murdered 2000 people.
0: Um, that makes you like reexamine stories like in the Bible and stuff, and then put this into it. The angel of death passing over and killing all the children who probably were sleeping at the time
1: in, in like a, a low the water crib? Is turning to blood. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's all here. Uh, so the lake, they were like, well, It's 1986. We can fix this. So, what they did is that they just started, they put a a little pipe under the lake that allows the CO2 to to move out. And they started putting this sort of like uh, chemical into the lake that gets, that just dissolves the CO2, like very easy fixes. The problem is, it is 2019, and uh, that their lake, the CO2 levels are higher than they were back in 1986 when it exploded and killed all those people. And there are people still living in that area and they don't seem to know what to do about it. So it's just sort of sitting there. I mean, first move the, the number of times I've been, I've been educated in on like something where I'm like, why don't we all just move out of Flint, Michigan and people from Flint, Michigan explain why that's not an option. So I've, so for, yeah, I mean, cause yeah, economics, there's so many things and, and sure. There's just regional stuff. Can't they put a second pipe? Like, are they it, it, just not doing anything waiting for it to happen? It is that question. It's like, well, what are you, if there's no plan here, then what do you... So, that is the case. That's still happening. But the, the more worrisome thing is that there is a lake called Lake Kivu. Uh, and Lake Kivu... Uh, let me make sure I, I get this right. It is basically on the border between three African countries. Uh, and it's not that far away from here. Uh, and it goes... Uh, around areas with 1000 times the population and it has the exact same thing Uh, it is a ticking time bomb uh, but it's in the middle of cities so it seems exceptionally frightening that in one minute you could essentially have what is a nuclear bomb but with uh, invisible poison gas that just takes out absolutely everything and it's in your water supply
0: yeah the earth is going to wipe us out eventually
1: it should probably start with the po- places where the pollution and the awfulness is coming from instead yeah, of the people yeah. that like, yeah, that it, I had that thought too. And I was like, yeah, it, 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 it shouldn't be there. It should be here. But, um, I, the fact that it, it is one of those, uh, Eurocentric Western world things that I'm just like, it's so weird that I've never heard about the 2000 people that died from an exploding lake. Uh, and it just like, okay, there's a lot of tragedies in the world, but like, I should know about a lot more of them. Like that's it's 1986. Seems like somebody should be talking about that every once in a while. Uh, so here is my carrying into the void moment. When it comes, it will not be with klaxons, but rather a silent crawl through nap time. You might be asleep when it comes and miss that grand resolution entirely. It might be today. And that's not the worst thing. Oh, when it comes, you don't have to do the work anymore, and you don't have to worry anymore. You don't have to carry the things that you carry and wear the weights that drag you behind. You will be free, and you will be purely you again. But none of us want that for you, especially right now. We want you here for as long as you have in you. We love you, and the tendrils of darkness wrap you in their gigantic and everlasting hug that celebrates you. But when it comes, it will not be with klaxons, but rather a silent crawl through naptime. Do not think of this as a reason to avoid nap time, but rather go into each nap, considering whether you've lived this day ready from what might be an end point. There's no pressure and there's no push and you can't fail at this, obviously. But do leave a legacy that, if interrupted at an odd point, speaks to who you were and who you wanted to be and who you will always continue to be. That is the part that lives forever. Bummer. (laughs) Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm, tra- no. I'm trying to delete this. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's good. It's a good thought. Uh,
0: now I start looking at every like lake and be like, are you going to kill me?
1: This is my concern. I don't want to go out on a boat anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, there's a beautiful river by this property. Are you Death River? <laughs> so you have any
1: self-care for this week? Self-care for this week is, um, uh, do that, do that thing, do that thing that sucks, uh, reach out and do that apology you've been meaning to do, um, reach out and clear the air. You don't have to, uh, you don't have to go all the way down on your list of people you have wronged, uh, pick a point somewhere in the middle or maybe at the very top. Um, I had a friend that, uh, ghosted our entire friendship and, uh, and a couple of things that we were making. Uh, And this was five or six years ago. And I've never been mad at him. But and I was like, maybe I understand. And like, maybe there were ways I could have been a better friend or or there was something I did. And out of nowhere, he texted the other day to be like, hey, sorry that I did that. It was because of me. And uh, it wasn't because of you. And I feel bad about it sometimes. And I've been keeping that in. And I was like, it's so great to hear that. I've been keeping it in, too. But I always just thought it was me being a huge fuck up. So that's a weight off me and a weight off you. And like you ever want to be friends again? Let's give that a go. Uh, and it was, uh, one of the best feelings I've had in a very long time. It was like, Oh, that's just uh one of my little boxes of like uh personal resentment that like that box is now thrown away. Like I don't have that one anymore. Time to deal with the rest. Uh, did not give you joy. That one didn't know. Uh, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to take a look at some of mine that are in similar sized boxes and like I would like to pay this one forward to a couple of people. So I'm going to do that this week.
0: All right. I'm sorry. I said your story was a bummer. No, it was. Gotta, gotta, no, I'm getting it off my chest.
1: I almost restarted. Cause I did a little giggle after talking about the number of people that died at one point, because I was just like, this is so <laughs> goddamn weird. And I was like, that's, it's an inappropriate giggle. It's a, it's a genocide by the environment. It's not a fun story. It's just so weird. And people should know about it. Probably no explo- exploding lake is definitely a weird story. And the fact that it's still just sitting there about to do the same thing and no one seems to care. Oh, it's a lot. Anyway, you're you were right. You weren't wrong. What's your self care <laughs> for the week? Um, my self care is that I'm trying to take stuff
0: off my plate and allow myself to reset because I fi- I get the I get the anxiety of like, oh, I have all these things to do but then I keep
1: adding things to it. This will forever be our thing on this show. You know, it's going to, we're never going to get better at this. (laughs) Or I set myself up with a huge packed
0: slate that I could only accomplish if I do everything perfectly, you know? And um, so lately I've been like going to projects and being like, Hey, I'm not going to be able to do this. And to try to dig myself out of this pit to then be able to go forward and try to only take on healthy amounts of projects, but you can't do that. If you just keep letting new ones fall on top of you, there was, um, oh, I need to find real quick who said it. So I don't steal their quote. Um, <laughs> go on and I'll find the quote real quick.
1: I had uh, a thing that I've never been very good at is knowing when to like, to like pull the plug on a piece uh, and like, the number of times I've been late on turning in some freelance thing and an editor has to chase me down and I feel guilt about it and I feel stupid about it. And then I get it in way too late and it doesn't really matter anymore. And then there's a a little resentment on both sides. Uh, I've always thought that I had to do that because the idea of like turning down the piece that late or like losing out on the money would just be something that I couldn't do. Uh, And uh, a couple weeks back, an editor reached out to me about my review for Alita battle angel I was like, hey, it's like a day late. Do you, what's the ETA on it? And uh, I'd been struggling to write the review because I had so many positive things to say, but also there were a lot of things about that movie that I was like, it's probably not my place as a white cis straight guy to comment on some of these issues. And they're the things that are most interesting. Uh, And uh, in the past, I've plowed through that. And I think this is the first time I've ever listened to both the side of me that recognizes when my plate is too full, but also the part of me that knows when, my voice just isn't going to add anything to the discussion. And I was like, yeah, let's cancel this. I, it was, it would have been a, a good little paycheck on that. And I obviously went and saw the movie and, and like, I probably wouldn't have otherwise. And I'm glad that I did. Cause it was really good. But I was also like, you know what? There's nothing I could write. I could write. I, I was, it's actually the fear is like, Oh, what I would make here and turn in is content. I would give you a thousand words that don't mean anything and aren't memorable and don't bring any new ideas to this. And I was like, what if what if we just don't write any more things with me that like don't go anywhere? Uh, and everyone was kind of happy to not have to do it. And I was like, oh, OK. So it turns out sometimes it's better uh, to to just uh, let people know straight up. I'm not going to be doing this one or I'm not going to be doing it on time or what have you. And that it does feel good.
0: <laughs> so the, the quote was um, it was V.E. Schwab and they tweet it. The existential terror that comes with knowing every day you fall behind on one project, you also fall behind on every other project you haven't started yet.
1: No, 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 no.
0: (laughs) And I was like, okay, I'm just going to go lie down quietly for a little while. (laughs)
1: Where's the content warning on that tweet? Jesus Christ, that's a lot. I know.
0: But that's why I think it's good to look at stuff and be like, I'm going to take this off. I'm going to take this off and then dig... Like, dig it backwards, you know, Uh to where you can be making forward motions. Give yourself accomplishable things. So, that's my self care for myself.
1: Uh, I'm going to signal boost uh, a book uh, that's just come out. Um, It is the second edition of a book that I have and like. Uh, I can't wait to read the second one. It's written by two buddies of mine, uh, Sam Gorski and D.F. Lovett. It is a book called Games You Can Play in Your Head by Yourself. It is a collection of games that they have made up that are complicated in nature, and, and some are not, uh, that uh, you can just sit with in your head and play them whenever you want. Uh, it is an incredible idea to have a book with a set of rules and sort of source material that you will never need the book again, and when you're stuck on a flight or a bus or just bored out of your mind or trying to fall asleep, you can just play one of these games. And I love it. I think it's such a cute idea. And more people should should be. It was one of those things like this feels like the first person to have written like flash fiction. I was like, Jordan and I are going to start writing like this exact same thing. We're going to steal this idea and be in trouble for it. But they are our friends and they'll give us a pass. So I I recommend it. It's like 15 bucks on Amazon. Uh, Give it a give it a whirl. The idea of like programming your
0: brain to be like this self-sustaining entertainment thing is interesting too.
1: I'm seeing that it is the number one bestseller in the Amazon category of Pathfinder game. It is not necessarily that. It does have a very (laughs) D&D cover to it. It didn't sound like it was Pathfinder.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That would be so weird if it was. That's the, the, the new weird thing Paizo is getting into is <laughs> non-games that don't require books. <laughs> oh, man. It's our, a um, bad business our, model. Our, our business model for a publisher. Fuck that one up. <laughs> so my signal boost for the week is going to be Outright Action International. They're an organization that fights for human rights for the LGBTIQ people everywhere. They have a staff in six countries and work alongside LGBTIQ individuals across four continents for lasting change. You can go to OutrightInternational.org and either find a way that you can help them or donate or just continue to spread the word about the stuff they're doing.
1: You've done it to me again.
0: <laughs> hey, <laughs> these are pre-written. I don't know <laughs> what you're going to boost. You don't know what I'm going to boost. Uh, next time I promise to do something about necromancers or something. Next 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 episode.
1: I'm I'm right now I'm Googling Best Charity. That's what I'm gonna
0: beat you. I'm gonna Google best charity. And next week I'm like, you know what's really cool? Flesh <laughs> Not just the concept of it. Not anyone in particular. Yep, I'm signal boosting the idea of crafting <laughs> flesh with dark magic. More people should think about it, more people should
1: do it. I think people would still like you more than me after that. They'd be like, look, Jordan is the best dude here. <laughs> hey, I mean, yeah. Fleshmancy. Yeah. Why are we fewer just, waste, strikeouts why are we just wasting all the the carrion pits
0: of oh Doth Mardok? God. Why? I don't know. I um, love this so show. So that's it for us this week. And we'll hear you next time we get around to making an episode. If you feel up to it, go into... The morass of iTunes, and leave us a review and a rating. We love seeing people help us feel good about ourselves, and also <laughs> it keeps the it keeps the podcast from disappearing into that abyss.
1: Um, oh, I love that we're just like, look, it's it's not about us making this into a career. We just like to feel good. Can you help us oh, feel yeah. good? Give me a, a quick me, of make that. Make me feel serotonin. good about this
0: thing I make, <laughs> or please. Um, so. We'll see you next time. And remember, until then, keep your teeth sharp and mini, and your heart dark and true. And we'll catch you on the flip side.
1: <laughs> Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening.